0: Welcome to Encountering Empowerment. I'm your host, Empowerment Coach, Victoria Jocko, here to teach you how to reclaim your personal power so that you can feel like the bad bitch you are using my proven formula. Personal agency is your birthright, and no matter where life has taken you, it's not too late to tap into it. And I'm here to help you do it. Hey, y'all. So this is future Victoria, kind of wanting to just update the introduction that I give for this episode. Um, I'm sitting down with Remy Gordon today, um, a mutual follower of mine. And initially, you know, I had intentions of talking a lot about um, their life coaching and uh, what it means to be an intuitive life coach and a space holder, like what that means to them, because that's that's what they um, kind of market themselves as. And it ended up being that plus um, this amazing conversation about our humanness and our experiences as being fat and queer people and um, our experiences with substance abuse and just so many amazing things. So I kind of wanted to just update the introduction and also I realized after uh we- Um, Remy and I stopped recording that I did not uh, ask them to share how you guys can find them. So if you want to find Remy um, their Instagram is this is Remy Gordon and I will link everything in the show notes as well. So yep that's it. Enjoy. Hello lovely humans. How are you today? I hope you're well. I am doing fantastic because I am sitting down with a mutual follower of mine, um, Remy Gordon. I'm going to have them introduce themselves in a second, but today we're going to be talking about um, intuitive life coaching and what it means to be a space holder. And we have just a really great episode for you. So hi Remy. (laughs) Hi. Hi, everyone. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. I'm so excited. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. Me too. (laughs) So tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So my name is,
1: you know, Remy Gordon. My pronouns are they, them. I am an intuitive life coach, a sacred space holder, card reader, I really just like to claim that title of spiritual bad bitch. Um, Doing all the things. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) all the things. Um, I live in Melbourne, in Australia. And so I would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land that I am on, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. And also acknowledge that here in Australia, sovereignty was never ceded. Uh, And this always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Very grateful to be on the lands that I'm on. what else? I don't know. I am. Um, uh, I live with my dog Domino. Um, <laughs> he's the light of my life, uh, and I don't know. I just like to have fun. I like to make my work and my life fun and find the joy in things. Mm-hmm. And I watch a lot of trashy TV. And that's that's pretty <laughs> much me in a nutshell.
0: <laughs> I love that. I love that so much. <laughs> and I've noticed that you are very fun. Like on your, um, reels. And I feel like you bring a lot of energy to the content that you create. Um, I love it so much. So (laughs) what inspired you to go into your line of work?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think like, a potentially like a lot of coaches I've spoken to, I don't know if it's the same for you, but I had a, I had a really powerful coaching experience myself that Mm. made me Um, at the time, this was back in, oh God, I don't know, 2017. Um, and it took me a few years before I, you know, really was ready to step into this space. There was a lot of uh, things that needed to happen in my life first, but yeah, I had an amazing coaching experience. Um, and I was working on my career and, you know, what I wanted to do and, and life coaching came up as an option. And I was like, I'm just, uh, I'm not ready for this yet. Like it's, it's not happening. Um, and a few things needed to happen, different job changes, experiences. I got sober um, and then the pandemic happened. And so at the end of 2020, like a lot of people, I was like, what, the, what am I doing? Like, I just need to go and do the things, you know? Wow. Um, so I signed up for like a space holding course. I signed up for a coaching course and I was like, I'm just going to throw myself fully in and,
0: uh, and now we're here. Oh, that's amazing. And then are you a full-time coach or do you have like a side hustle or what do you do? Yeah, I am a full-time
1: coach at the moment, so I uh stepped out of full, like my corporate job um in November last year. Um and it's so funny, I'm in this real weird transitional space at the moment now that it's been a few months in. And to be honest, like it's gone so well, but it's not sustainable yet, right? And wow. it's taking that leap of faith was something I absolutely needed to do and I have no regrets. Like it was the best decision for me. So now I'm in this space of like, okay, how can I use potentially, you know, I worked in communications for over eight years. I've got a lot of corporate experience. I'm like, can I do some of that? Do I want to go part-time retail or, you know, just something else so that I can keep doing the work I love and keep enjoying it and it not be everything. And I think that's part of, yeah, the lesson I've needed to learn over these past couple of months is not making one thing everything
0: yeah know? i love that i i kind of practice that as well i'm i don't coach full time i do have a side job but i picked my side job as something that could be like fun and something that yeah. i really like enjoy doing i'm working at have you ever done an escape room yes yeah oh my so god have, <laughs> that's so I have, fun i know so i just like get to sit and watch people like Try to get out of this room. <laughs> it's so much fun. And I love it so much, but I have also like had to get creative about my income, you know, and yeah. it, like you said, it can be like kind of daunting and like kind of scary to like throw yourself in there and trust, but like it's so good, like be because you're like an entrepreneur, honestly, like you're trying to you're just figuring out like how am I gonna make money, how many streams of income can I you know. Do for myself basically in a way that's like in alignment with who I am and going outside of the realm of like toxic capitalism and like grinding and all that kind of Mm -hmm. stuff. It's like, we don't want to do
1: that. (laughs) Fuck fuck the hustle, fuck the grind. I'm not here for that (laughs) (laughs) at all. Oh, I love that so much. And I think what you said, yeah, about being creative about it, Mm -hmm. it's a real mindset shift that I'm having to go through right now instead of just being like oh well it's either all this thing or it's all that thing right like no we can mix and match and there's an ebb and flow to it as well you know that it doesn't have to be everything all at once there's so many so many options and I think that's something I've yeah really realized particularly over the past few days like there are just so many options
0: which is so exciting but also like where how do I pick (laughs) (laughs) I know (laughs) I get that too so much when like I have an idea for something and then I have another and then another and I'm like brain oh my god like I love you but stop Yes, that's where I'm at right now (laughs) I've like got my
1: whiteboard with like all my ideas and I'm like okay, so I know that I just need to take action on at least one of them, but I'm like, how do I pick? I think I just need to close my eyes and just pick one and go from there. Cause there's no wrong choices, right? Like it's all right. an adventure.
0: Yes. I love that. There are no wrong choices. Totally. Yeah. And I love that you got into this just a couple of years ago. That's really cool. I'm curious as to like, so how long ago did you get that coaching that made you think about this?
1: Yeah. So I, it would have been the end towards the end of 2017. So wow. a while, yeah, a while. Yeah. But I think about, you know, where I was at in my life then. And I don't necessarily believe that you're ever ready, you know, for any experience that is, that is going to be life-changing. Yeah. Um, I, I really wasn't ready. <laughs> like I wasn't I wasn't in the space in my life and I didn't have, I think everything that's happened in the, the years that have followed that have made me the coach that I am. You know, I needed to have those experiences so I could share that lived experience with my clients and the people that I support. So um, yeah, it's just really weird to think about. I don't know if you feel the same, but I like look back Oh, I look back at every version of myself, even, you know, three months ago, um, but I'm like, whoa,
0: so different. Like, <laughs> yeah. you couldn't even comprehend what I'm doing now. Yes. Oh my God. No, I had that same exact realization while I was watching Euphoria. There is a scene. Have you seen Euphoria? Yes. Okay. Yes. So that there's this scene for anyone who hasn't seen it where Rue is just like, she's in the throes of addiction and her mom found her stash and she just raged and it like really hit me like seeing it there because I was exactly like her, like yeah. almost to a T I didn't have the same type of drug addiction. I was really um heavy into pharmaceuticals. Yeah. Um, Cause I was, I was prescribed them. So I, it was easy for me to develop a, an addiction to them. Um, of course. But yeah. I saw her and I was like, holy shit, that was me. And if her, if me back then could see me now, she'd be like, what the fuck happened?
1: <laughs> she'd be yeah. like, thank God
0: we're not there anymore. But like, it was almost disorienting because I saw that person and I was reminded of a past version of myself that I can't connect to or relate to anymore. And yeah. I talked about this, like, I don't know, maybe sometime last year just on my socials, just like, There's this loss almost that you feel when, Mm. like, you shed those past versions and this, like, disconnect because there's this disconnection to them, like, they're not you anymore. And it's like, oh, they're just gone. And there's almost like this period of grief, but it's weird because, like, you can't relate.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yeah. (laughs) I understand that. And, like, thank you for sharing that as well. I watched that scene as well. And while while I haven't had that, that same experience or scenario happen, I saw that, like, in Rue, that desperation yes. and that, like, that, yeah, at the core, that's what it is, right? That desperation and I was like, oh, like, it hit me and I was like, oh, I have remembered a thing that I... I thought I had disconnected from and dropped away from. Mm-hmm. So that was like it was very intense scene to watch when you've had some kind of personal you know letter you know it was intense I'm sure even if you haven't had that experience but <laughs> when you have
0: it's like okay <laughs> yeah No, completely. (laughs) It just like activates something in you that you didn't realize was there. And I think that, I don't know, I can't speak for every coach, but for me anyway, I feel like that sometimes happens and I have to like go and like coach myself or I have to like do something to make up for it. Or like if I'm sharing these things online, especially I have to like form it in a way that's like coachy and like, oh, I'm this like self, I'm this personal development person. And But really, like, it activates something because I'm a person that felt that way. And, like, there's Mm -hmm. still this part of me that's, like, very human and relates to it. And I think that's important to point out, especially in positions like ourselves, when we are there to help people. I think, like, I don't know if it's just, like, our own pressure, or maybe it is some type of pressure from outside to, like, be perfect and to, like, be this figure of, like, perfection and achievement and like whatever and it's just not like that at all like we are I don't want to call us shit shows but like we're humans you know
1: (laughs) I mean I am yeah I'm very chaotic like I feel you having a human experience and I think you're right there's the external factors that make us think you know that we need to be perfect because if we're helping people improve their lives and you know do all these wonderful things and surely we should be nailing it every single day but the truth is like no one is nailing it every single day like you can have all of the routines and like done all of the work on yourself and the thing is, like, it never ends right. Like, that's the thing about self-development. It, it's never ending, which I think is beautiful. It was daunting. Now I'm like, I've come to appreciate that. But we're always learning. We're always growing. And we're having a human experience just like everyone else. And I and I think I wanted to say, I think that can be an issue sometimes in, in our industry is putting people on a pedestal as, like, this idea of perfection and nailing it and then you have so far to fall as well you know we're not like people aren't gods like they're just people you know yes
0: (laughs) a hundred percent yes Oh my God. (laughs) It's, it's ridiculous. Like the way that we idolize people. And Mm. at the end of the day, like, that's what makes it so good at our jobs, though, is because we are human and because we open ourselves up to experiencing humanness. Mm. And not, um, you know, taking away that like destination oriented mindset of like, once I'm done developing, then I'll be at the state of perfection. And I yeah. think that, like you said, it becomes beautiful to be in a constant state of personal development because you're not seeking out perfection. You're just accepting what is. And I think that's really what personal acceptance or personal development is about is self-acceptance and accepting where you're at right now. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you, what does like holding space mean to you? And why do you feel like it's an important aspect of the work that you do? Mm, A really great question. I think when I first heard of a space
1: holder, I was like, what the fuck is that? (laughs) (laughs) What do you mean? Like, what does that mean? Right? Like, it it Uh feels like such an abstract concept. And then I went to a full moon circle run by a space holder, you know, the first space holder I had had met and interacted with. And I was like, oh, oh, this feat, like it's a, there's this feeling like, okay, interesting. Um, and as I came to experience it more and more myself and understand more about it, I was like, oh, I feel like I really resonate with this. So everyone has a different definition i guess of holding space and what that means to them for me it's about connection and it's almost it's like an energetic i almost want to say agreement as such that you enter into with another person or with a group of people and you have this this i don't know like liminal space that you're in together where The outside doesn't exist, and you're fully present in that moment. And I think that's what it means to me. I think that definition for me changes all the time. But for me today, in this moment, that's what it means is really presence, connection, and the energy of just being together, whether you're physically together or whether you're meeting virtually. Like right now, you're holding space for me in this conversation. When you were sharing, I was holding space for you. So it's not just people in our line of work who hold space. You know, we all hold space for each other every day. When you've got your friend who's, you know, venting about their shitty boss or whatever, like you're holding space for that conversation. There's energy, there's presence, there's connection.
0: Yeah. I I love that. Yeah. The thing that stands out to me the most is connection. Like, that you don't have to um, be a coach or be like a therapist or anyone you're just another person who's forming this like bond or connection with someone I like that sometimes my brain has a hard time like conceptualizing these more spiritual or like um, Mm. personal self-help kind of words and sometimes it can get a little bit like oh whatever to me like oh eye roll but like when I can kind of break it down and just put like a sentence to it like oh if you're just forming connection with people you're having space to for someone to just be human in front of you and to create like a bond with them I, my brain's like okay that makes sense
1: <laughs> yeah absolutely i know it's such a weird concept and i agree like i i it took me a while to understand mm-hmm. what it really meant to me as well and i think it was something that i had to experience in a more structured way, like where it was an intentional space holding that I was like, oh, okay. I, it's like a feeling like I am starting to understand it. Yeah. But it's it's wild.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, I, I love that. That was perfect. Um, so I also wanted to kind of talk about like your style. So I, I looked on your website and um, I'm interested to hear more about your combination of spirituality and practicality because like as I was just saying my brain like works that way like there are these spiritual concepts that I love but my brain is also very practical so I'm curious as to like what the combination looks like for you yeah, um, great question.
1: And it looks different for everyone because there's like no one size fits all, right? And so that's why I also call myself an intuitive life coach is because I use my intuition. I go on the energy of the situation of my clients, the day that we're there, you know, together to work out okay how are we gonna approach this together so i'm much the same like i you know am a very spiritual person but my brain also needs structure and logic and you know a plan of action so what i mean by that is more generally that we'll incorporate different aspects of spiritual work um we'll you know call on your guides we will pull cards we will delve into like the shadow work and and using that language around it as well but also once we've done all of that in a session it's like cool so practically how are we going to apply this what are the actual steps that need to be taken and sometimes those are going to be have a spiritual focus or be around reflection but sometimes they're just really fucking practical like you need to update your resume you know like (laughs) so that's kind
0: of what I mean by
1: Um,
0: I love that and I I like that you said that when you show up to a client you're kind of like using your intuition as to how you're going to guide the session or how the session is going to be guided by them and you, right? Because you're not mm-hmm. o- always the one guiding it, it's usually the client yeah, ways right. for me. Um, yeah. absolutely, <laughs> um, yeah. And I do the exact same thing I have like a practical process, um, my empowerment process, but I'm not just like taking people through steps, it's like, mm-hmm. what are you dealing with today, and how can we apply? You know, empowerment and confidence to that. Like, how can we apply these steps to what you're dealing with? So, I love that it's like fluid for you, because I think that kind of opens up more connection with your client as well. Like, when it's not so like strict, and I guess like you mentioned that you got inspired to be a coach by coaching and I didn't have a coach until this year Um, but I've been I've been interested in coaching for like four years five years something like that I started off as a health coach and that like progressed to um, empowerment coaching and so I don't even know what like coaching looks like outside of my own practice and then like the one coach that I've had (laughs) So yeah. yeah, so I don't know if it's like, if there are coaches that have these like very structured settings where they are like taking their clients through like this, this and that throughout like six weeks or something, whatever. But speaking of which, wh- how long um, do you set your packages for?
1: Yeah, so for one-on-one, we can do three or six months. And then for my group coaching, it's a four-month container. So
0: okay, awesome. yeah.
1: Yeah, I've worked out that that works best for me. Um, and yeah, so that's what I do. But yeah, I, I hear you. I think I have not experienced probably, actually, I take that back. My first coaching experience was, I would say, more structured than I am. Um, but it was still there was still that level of intuition and that level of, okay, like, how are you feeling today? And like, what do we need to focus on? Um, But there was probably more structure around it. And then I've been in um, spaces where it's on the other end where it's like very fluid and, um, you know, very, I don't know. You get there in the end, but in the process, I was like, I don't know about this. So I think the way that I coach is probably the way that I like to be coached um in that it's a balance the balance of the two so you can see where you're getting to most of the time although obviously like every coaching journey there's that thick of it sometimes right up to the very end where you're like I don't know what's happening it feels like nothing's happening and then you get to the end and you're like oh my
0: god I feel so different (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah no I I feel you on I definitely coach the way I want to be coached for Hmm. sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's important. Cause I think that like draws in our people too. Cause like I I've had, so I'm in a group coaching program and she talks a lot about like, just coach anyone, coach anyone you can. And I think that's important maybe in the beginning. So you get experience, but I'm at a point now where I'm like, I want to find the people that I'm going to work the best with and that are going to work the best with me. Yeah. And so the more I step into myself and I honor myself, I feel like I will attract those people and I'll be the best coach for them. And they'll be the best client as well. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, I feel that like it's, yeah, in the beginning, yeah, when, when you're learning and you're starting out, still figuring out, you know, your space in it all, like, mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, coaching anyone. And I did the same. And it was so interesting, though, because I feel like even those clients, those first few clients that I worked with, there were so many similarities, like in, even if they were, you know, completely different um, in, in so many ways, right? But there's there's these like little parts where you're like, oh, I can I can see that. Like we relate on that. We relate on that. Um, it's so interesting. But yeah, I feel like I'm in the same space now. And I think there's like a level of empowerment that comes with it when you're like, you know what, let's have a chat. I'm not sure that I am the right coach for you. And I want you to have like the best experience, you know, and also I want to enjoy this experience too right um can't think of a more eloquent way to say that yeah (laughs) yeah, like we've both got to have a good time here um even in the hard times so i think with experience comes that level of discernment and the level of empowerment to be like you know what, maybe I'm not the right person for you. And also recognizing that when you do that, you're just creating space for those people who are in alignment with with you and your values and and how you work as well.
0: Yeah, a hundred percent. I think that's a really important thing for especially new coaches to learn and hear and understand is that like, what's best, like do what's best for your client. Maybe you're not what's best for your client. Like the client should come first, right? Like we're here to serve and to help people. And if we're not the right fit, like we shouldn't just want to get the money, you know? Like I think that a lot of people, especially if they are taking that venture of like being an entrepreneur and going out and trying to do this all on their own. And like, Having only one stream of income, like you don't want to do that. You want to be able to support yourself financially while you, you know, build your business, so that you can show up for the clients that are meant for you, and so you can be of service. Because that's really what it's about. I just we just want to help people. Exactly, <laughs> it's all we want. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and you can help people by saying no. You know. Yes, totally. And referring them. Yeah.
0: Yes, hundred percent. I love that. Okay, so I know that you identify as a fat queer person, and I'm so yes. curious as to what made you comfortable in your identity and your body.
1: Oof, Great questions. <laughs> I feel like uh, it's, like everything, it's a continuing journey with, um both of those things with all of those things Uh, i am a late bloomer when it comes to uh i'm gonna say having an awareness of my queerness um and i came out maybe just over a year ago as uh queer bisexual and then probably six months ago as non-binary um and i'm almost 29 so it's kind of an interesting experience and I think my spiritual journey that I've been on um, is what's heavily influenced those realizations for me and also um, the acceptance of it. Um, you know, at the end of 2020, the end of 2020, yeah, I you know, broke up with a, a long-term cis uh, male partner, wasn't sure why right like consciously I was like I don't know but it feels like something I need to do so that's what I'm gonna do and then a few months later I was like oh I'm very gay okay
0: um <laughs> oh, I oh my god I hard relate I relate so much
1: <laughs> and then you look back at stuff and you're like I'm like Remy your favorite movie is Coyote Ugly like did you not <laughs> think all of the pieces start coming together <laughs>
0: so funny
1: (laughs) Uh, yeah um and uh realizing that i was non-binary uh happened in a uh, meditation it was like a whole thing i came out of it and i was like whoa what the fuck like (laughs) okay then this is a thing and that probably has taken me like a little bit longer to come to terms with because i think because non-binary means and looks like and just is like so many different things it's it can it was tricky for me to find my place in that and i think sometimes i still question myself on that even though it's what i know to be true like from that ego level i'm like oh like you're not queer enough you know um those kind of things so there's that balance and then in terms of my body again, like living a thousand lives years ago, I was like a body positive influencer. I look back again at that part and I'm like, whoa, like what a time. Um, But on it, I I can't even really pinpoint when it happened, but yeah, it was probably maybe four years ago or so that I think I just started surrounding myself online with people who were talking about like spreading this message of neutrality or of positivity towards their bodies, seeing different bodies represented and people just like being in their, their, the joy of just existing in themselves and their bodies as they were. And I was like, this is incredible. Like, you know, I'd spent such a long time dieting and and doing all of that stuff and just really like, hating myself um for it and I don't know it was I think like a lot of changes in my life um, and a lot of things that have accepted it. it is like that light bulb moment like a switch is flicked and I was just kind of like why am I doing this like or I could just you know be happy with who I am or at least neutral about it you know Um, and so yeah and so I I use the word fat to describe myself because like the word queer like it's a it's a way to reclaim words that traditionally have been used as slurs um, you know and to be like proud ultimately of of who I am and how I exist in this world so yeah
0: I love that thank you so much for sharing I totally feel you on reclaiming those words like I started recovering from an eating disorder almost three years ago now, and um, well, it was really like a lifetime of eating disorders, but (laughs) I didn't realize I had them because I had grown up in a fat body, and I was, you know, told that like, if you're fat, then you have to do X, Y, Z, but X, Y, Z is actually symptoms of eating disorders, and it became like progressively more obsessive, and yada, 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 but you know- at the beginning, I would never like call myself fat or identify that way. And now it's like, no, like who fucking cares? Like it's just a word. It has absolutely no moral value to it. It's just like, this is just my body. It's not a big deal. And the same for queer. Um, And that word, when I have used it, I have gotten people that are like, what? Like, why would you say that? (laughs) And I'm like, it's just, I feel like it encompasses my sexuality, my gender identity, which I, I still identify as a woman, but I have been playing, like, I've been thinking about that as well. So I'm like, am I just a woman? I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Right. (laughs) But I also kind of (laughs) view it as like a political statement as well. Just like, I'm very different from what is like, normal, normal, quote unquote, you Mm -hmm. know, very different from what regular people believe in terms of politics, in terms of relationships, like I'm polyamorous. So like, I feel like that is just still kind of taboo as well. Like everyone just thinks it's like swinging or like unicorn hunting, which, oh God, so bad. I don't like it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so I love that you've reclaimed that for yourself. I love that I've reclaimed it as well. I think it's so important for us to take back the words that have disempowered us in the past. Although, so um, were you, did you have any experience with like, like outside of heteronormativity before you came out a year ago or two years ago?
1: I did have a couple of like experiences here and there, but I probably just put them down to general experimenting you know like um very I think what I've come to realize and I think the reason it it took me so long to bring it into my awareness is um I had a like a lot of internalized homophobia like that I didn't clock you know (laughs) Um, and that's something that I am still like unpacking for myself, right? And I think it is a continuous, it's like, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, unpacking, like, your internalized racism as well, like, there's, there's so many things that, you know, have been put upon us, these oppressive systems that we internalize in ourselves, and then you come to be aware of them, and you're like, fuck, I need to sort that shit out, like, that's not <laughs> helpful, you know, but I don't think it ever ends, just, like, every self-development, um,
0: Whoa, you know, kind sure. of journey.
1: yeah,
0: yeah. no, yeah. I was talking about this on my Instagram today, of how, like, I think that, it is more difficult for me to, you know, flirt or like connect with other women and like people socialize as women because of my own internalized homophobia. Like I am terrified that they're going to be offended. I think like it's more taboo. Like, you know, they're, they're probably expecting a man to hit on them, not a woman. And like, that would be, you know, bad if a woman hit on them, you know? And yeah, I had this, I was just, you know, writing and having these kind of realizations and like, holy shit, just another thing for me to unpack. Like you said, it's never ending. (laughs) But it's good because like, I don't want to be homophobic. Just like I don't want to be racist, like misogynistic. All things that we have internalized, or at least I did, like I definitely had a lot of internalized misogyny. And over the last couple of years, realized a lot of internalized racism as well. And, you know, I think we have this... Obviously a negative connotation to accepting that about ourselves. Like we don't want to admit it, but at the same time if we don't admit it, we can't do anything about it and it continues to wreak havoc because just because you don't admit it to yourself doesn't mean that it's not there. Right? Yeah. So like you have to acknowledge that. It doesn't mean that you're a shitty person, you know? It's just no. what we grew up, like, knowing and seeing, you know? It's not, yeah. doesn't mean anything good or bad about us. Although, like, if you acknowledge it and then don't do anything, I don't know, like...
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. No, I so agree and, yeah, hard agree on also having, like, that internalized misogyny, alongside racism homophobia like it's and you're right I think it's it's so necessary to acknowledge that about yourself and and I look at those things as you know part of our shadow part of the darker parts of ourselves. and for me in terms of my spiritual development unpacking and unlearning those thoughts those behaviors those almost instincts in some ways to react in certain ways is a critical part of my spiritual development because I want, you're right, these things don't inherently make us good or bad because that's complex in itself. Right. And I'm not really sure about good people, bad people. Meh, right? We're all just having a human experience and some of us are, are trying to be better and some of us aren't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's it's such a critical part of my journey, I know, in terms of unlearning all of that so that I can be better, you know, and seek to keep learning um, and just do better, you know.
0: Yeah, a hundred percent. Shadow work is actually kind of what got me into personal development, like started about four or five years ago now and Mm -hmm. started like realizing there were these parts of myself that I wasn't aware of. And that was like Mm. huge for me. And it like led me down this path of like continuously accepting these parts of myself that maybe I'm not aware of and unpacking where I learned them from and not attaching morality to them. Because like you said, like there really isn't a way to define good and bad aside from like our subjective perspective. And that is something that we get to decide, um, which I I love and I find really interesting. Like that was a big um, breakthrough moment for me was like, I get to decide these things about myself and about the world. Wow. (laughs) But yeah, not attaching morality and just like facing these things as like, oh, this is something that's going on inside of me. What am I going to do with that? Am I going to continue to allow it to be there? Am I going to change it? Am I going to find acceptance for it? Like, what am I going to do? And I think that's like really powerful um, in our like self-acceptance and personal development journey of like, seeing ourselves not as like these good or bad beings but just as like you said having a human experience absolutely absolutely
1: and it's so tempting to it's so tempting to hide away from those parts of ourselves because we have attached you know this this badness this darkness to it you know um and i know for me like uh when I was, you know, that was when I was like at the height of my addiction, which was alcohol, like was because I didn't want to face those parts of myself. I was like, I am not here for this. I didn't have the coping skills, you know, um, to deal with it. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's just funny to see now I think about I was so scared. I don't know if you resonate with this. Like I was so scared to face those parts of myself and now that I have I'm like that wasn't so bad (laughs)
0: like that wasn't so bad Yeah. (laughs) what the fuck was I worried about (laughs) exactly yeah a big thing for me was like I was so afraid to feel pain even though I was like perpetually in pain and was like using substances to numb and stuff
1: But like, Sorry, I'm just laughing
0: because I hard relate. Yes, right? <laughs> I, th- I think that's like a universal experience. Like that's why we have so much addiction and like self-hatred and like interpersonal hatred too. Cause like, we're not willing to like just be with our sadness or our shame or our anger or any of it. And so when I started shadow work, that's like, that's the thing I started doing was like, okay, I'm going to be here for this emotional experience and see what happens and on the other side of it I found so much relief like so much relief and what was I scared of like it wasn't that bad like yes it it fucking sucked but like when I look back on it I'm like that wasn't that bad at all you know it maybe took me like 10 to 30 minutes to process and then it was over I'm like that was a half hour of your life bitch like it wasn't that big of a deal
1: (laughs) I spend longer on Instagram every day.
0: (laughs) Yes, exactly.
1: (laughs) No, I feel that. And I think that's something I've really, really come to learn, particularly over the past year, is that I hadn't realized how scared I was. Not just to like, there's the element of facing those darker parts of yourself, but for me, just feeling my feelings and feeling the full spectrum of them, even like feeling scared to experience the fullness of joy, of pleasure alongside like grief and pain and anger like it's so interesting and for me I know I've attached again like these um moral like morality to these to these feelings and so that's what I'm now continuing to work on a heavy focus for me right now is like how can I detach the morality and just allow myself to feel the feelings again acknowledging having a human experience
0: (laughs) yes oh my god yes totally i i heard that so much growing up like morality being attached to certain emotions that i experienced which led me to demonizing them and rejecting them and right now like I'm like you you mentioned um you know leaning into like joy and like excitement and like I don't I don't know if you said excitement but that's a big one for me is like I love feeling excited but that's something that like also I don't allow myself to fully experience and right now Mm -hmm. I'm finding that the two things that they're like polar opposites for me is the one emotion is embarrassment I really don't want to feel that like oh my God, I don't want to, but it's been coming up a lot for me. And I leaned into it, I don't know, last week or something. And I just like sobbed for like 15 minutes and then I was fine and like, whatever. And I'm like, okay, that wasn't that bad. And now I'm finding um, on the other side of it is like this real excitement and like, I was talking about it on my Instagram today when it comes to um, dating, like other women, how like, I'm really worried that they're going to reject me and I'm going to feel embarrassed after. But on the Mm -hmm. other side of it is like, it's kind of exciting to like flirt with a woman. Like it's, it's really exciting, but I won't allow myself to experience either because I'm just so afraid. So I had that like realization of like, well, if I lean into embarrassment, I can also lean into excitement. And this is really, really fun. And so, yeah, yeah I love that you kind of brought that up, that number one, it's, it's an, an ongoing thing for you. But also, like, I think if we don't allow ourselves to fully experience the negative side, we don't really get to experience the positive side either. Absolutely. Yeah. Hard agree. Yeah, I agree. And yeah, flirting with women is
1: so exciting. <laughs> and I feel worth any potential embarrassment.
0: <laughs> that's what, that's the conclusion I came to as well. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, okay, so I have a couple more questions for you. I'm curious as to what were like one or two or however many you want to share breakthrough moments for you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Good question. Um. I was reflecting on these a few weeks ago, um, and I shared a bit on my Instagram. But there's a few pivotal moments in my life. So when I was, I want to say like 23. So this is before my, I was spiritual in any sense. You know, before a couple of years ago, I considered myself an atheist as well. Like important to put out there. I don't know, just for context, um, that you can really turn it all around. um so wild anyway uh but yeah when I was like 23 I had been in a relationship with a man uh for just over four years and it was a really toxic horrible experience and I had this I look back it was and it felt even at the time like a very spiritual moment I had an epiphany on a dance floor where I was surrounded by people we were all having so much fun and I was like life should be like this. Like it should be, I shouldn't be walking on eggshells. I shouldn't be like, I'm I'm 23, you know, like I should be having fun. And so I had this huge breakthrough moment and that's the consistent thing with all of those, all of these like breakthrough moments is there's just like this real moment of clarity that drops in. So even if it takes a long time, it drops in so quickly and it's, like this resounding feeling in my body and I can't get rid of it. Like I, I know it in my core to be truth. And so I ended that relationship and got out of there. And that was like one of the best decisions of my life. The same thing happened when I got sober at the end of 2019 was you know, I'd had a normal night of drinking alone, like, you know, any other night really. But I had this moment uh, on the bathroom floor where I, it was like three o'clock in the morning and I was throwing up by myself. And I was like, it's gonna be better than this. Like, this is, what the fuck am I doing? This is awful, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And I think it's like also that, um with all of these moments as well, there is a sense of like getting sick of my own shit. Like I really kind of it might take a while, and it builds up, but there's this clarity and there's this like sense of like that's it, we're fucking done. Like it's very resolute. Um, and yeah, and I guess same with another pivotal moment. Yeah, when I when I broke up with another partner uh, at the end of twenty twenty was like it was just this very that I had felt coming you know? Um, but I had pushed it away. I was like, no, 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 no. This is fine. I'm happy. I love my life. I'm totally going to get married and have children with this man. It's going to be great. It's so fine. This is what I want. This is what I should want. Um, and yeah, and then that moment of clarity dropped in and I didn't intend to do it the way I did it, but it just happened. Like it just came out and I was like, okay, okay. And like the sense of relief each time as well after following like that, that truth that I felt and even as uncomfortable and hard and grief filled that those moments were afterwards, whether it was the days, the weeks, the months after, there was like that f- sense of relief of like knowing that, like, that I followed what I needed to do. And that was, yeah, true for me in that moment. So, yeah, Uh,
0: thank you so much for sharing that. That is so so good. Like, I totally relate to those feelings of relief after making decisions Mm. like that. There have been multiple relationships where (laughs) I (laughs) have ended it, and just immediately after, like, yes, so much pain, so much grief, but at the same time, I feel like, oh my god, I can breathe again. And I think, like, I, I know I've talked to a lot of people in my current life situation that feel the same where it's like, they're so afraid of making that decision. They know it's right. Um, but on the other, on the other side, there really is so much relief.
1: <laughs> there really is. And so much beauty as well. I am in the process of, um, preparing to move house at the moment. And I found some of my old journals from that time and, after uh like from when I broke up with my partner at the end of 2020 and I you know so many entries being like this hurts so much I don't know if I've made the right decision but also I feel that I really have like I don't know what why I need to do this I don't know what's next but like I just feel so like a sense of peace and turmoil at the same time, like a very conflicting, but um, yeah. So it's been really interesting to reflect back on now being in this space, you know, 18 months later and being like, yeah, there was definitely a reason you needed to do that a few actually. And um, you know, yeah, there's so much
0: beauty once you get through the ickiness
1: of actually doing the things.
0: Yes, totally. I think kind of going back to what we were talking about before, we're just so resistant to feeling the ickiness, Mm
1: -hmm. but
0: if we don't, we can't feel all of the other stuff, and it's so important that we do. And I also, uh, I want to say I love that you talked about, like, the alcohol abuse. I don't love it, obviously, but, like, I can relate. Yeah, I know what you're making. Yeah, I can. It's not
1: like I love that for you.
0: (laughs) Okay. I love that you quit
1: <laughs> <laughs> me too Best yeah my life.
0: <laughs> I, I am sober as well um i still so I was strictly sober from alcohol for four years. I still consider myself sober because I don't get drunk, I don't drink to get drunk. I'll enjoy like a cider if I go out or something like that, but I'm not getting drunk um but I think our uh epiphany moments are kind of funny because yours was like vomiting on the toilet like this is fucking terrible and I had a bazillion of those moments like yeah and not not a single one of them where I was like maybe I should stop (laughs) what actually got me to stop was I went out for like a drink I came home kind of a little bit tipsy not not nothing serious but I was like super bloated and I was like oh my God, I don't want to do this anymore. And I just quit like that. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> but th- This is the thing, right? Um,
1: as you say, I also had a million of those moments, you know, vomiting in the bathroom, thinking this is so terrible. I'm never going to drink again. And then inevitably drinking again. And I also had a lot, like a lot worse things. And, you know... The time where I had that drop in, it wasn't, it was not rock bottom for me. I had already hit rock bottom a few times before. So it's so interesting, these things that just click and the moments that they decide to click. But I just love people like, I'm bloated. I don't want to do this. (laughs) That's so good.
0: (laughs) I know. It's it's honestly hilarious. (laughs) I had, I, so I lived in Japan for a year and that was like the worst of my alcoholism because I was also... Mm -hmm kind of supplementing with weed so before that and I couldn't have access to weed there so I just started abusing alcohol really bad and so like it was like every night I was binge drinking and just constantly like throwing up every night it just happened and still like I just kept doing it yeah <laughs> and then a few years later lo and behold it's just some some cramping some bloating <laughs>
1: Honestly, again, the human experience cannot be predicted or understood, really, like, our brains are fascinating, the way that we
0: work. Yeah, it's funny, too, like, like you said, you had hit rock bottom multiple times, right, and, like, yet it didn't click, you know, and I feel like it's more, for me, at least, there have been things, like, aha moments that seem, like, so simple, or, like, almost like very, just very small compared to other moments in my life. And that is when I had the epiphany. And I like, why? <laughs> it doesn't make any yeah. fucking sense. But like, thank you. Like, thank you for coming to me because I needed that. <laughs> yeah.
1: But it's the same thing. Like when I you know, was 23 and had broken up with this really toxic partner, we had had a fight that night when we'd been out at dinner with a friends that was not uncommon for us you know that was that was regular that was every week and like it certainly wasn't the rock bottom of that relationship there had been multiple really awful things that had happened that in hindsight i'm like oh my god how did you not anyway that's the nature of those types of relationships um but yeah again it it wasn't It was seemingly simple. It was, you know, we had had a fight, a night, a normal night kind of for us. I had gone out afterwards with some friends and then had that moment, you know, it's really interesting. Um,
0: Really interesting. So interesting. The human experience is comical, honestly. Like, (laughs) it is. It really (laughs) is. So, have you ever done psychedelics? No, I haven't. Okay. I have, I've dabbled quite a bit. And one of my favorites is um, something called DMT. It's uh, dimethyltreptamine. I think that's the scientific name for it. But it's Mm -hmm. the, do you know anything about it? No. Okay. So (laughs) it's a chemical that's found in every living thing on earth. Our brains produce it when we sleep. It's why we dream. Our lungs produce it. It's the main chemical that our brain releases when we die as well. And so it's very cool. um, But Doing DMT has shown me like life is so fucking funny and weird, and like there it makes sense, but it doesn't make sense. And so, when these things happen, it just reminds me so much of when I have done DMT. And it just like these two things have really shown me like to take life almost with a grain of salt, like it doesn't have to be so serious, and it can be like weird and fun. And it just gave me a deeper appreciation for life,
1: yeah absolutely i agree i think it's so easy and yet this is not to say that i am always able to like fully disconnect and be like this is just like whatever it's fine you know no. obviously we get in yeah we get in the thick of it yeah and we're like this is make or break <laughs> like, you know um it can feel very dire but yeah I I try to apply that same sense especially when things get hard is to be like this is just kind of stupid as well and like life is a bit of a game and everything's funny and we like can look back like the fact we can also look back at like these like really pivotal moments in our life and kind of laugh about them now and they felt so serious at the time and now it's like oh like that was a great choice but also kind of stupid how that (laughs) happened (laughs) like yeah. I don't know everything I agree everything is a bit stupid everything is funny um and it's it's good to just take it not take it so seriously um if you know when you can
0: <laughs> yeah yeah and that definitely like not taking life seriously doesn't undermine the experiences that we have that are Oof, yeah. moment, you know like it's more so just like when you're able to look back and be like okay but that was that was funny you know or that yeah. was just like that wasn't as big of a deal or even what we were talking about earlier when we experience our emotions and they're fucking terrible and then five minutes after we're done with it we're like oh that wasn't that bad <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah <laughs> okay um do you have any like final words or a message that you would like to give our oh. <laughs> thought about that oh no
1: I feel like I want to say something profound but I feel like what I'm going to say to anyone listening is just have fun like where can you find more fun more delight more joy more pleasure in your life and just like fully be present and experience that because fucking, as we've talked about, we don't know what life is going to throw at us. We don't know what this, you know, crazy, beautiful life is going to look like. So just savor all of those little moments, you know, like just really enjoy them.
0: Yeah. Yes. You know, that is profound though, honestly. (laughs) How many people are actually focused on that? (laughs) Look, true. no that was so good thank you so much for coming on here and sharing and chatting with me it was honestly like a pleasure I love talking with you today
1: the same it was so much fun yes yes (laughs) Um, very much fun like thank you so much for having me I really appreciate it
0: yes you are welcome thank you all right that is it for today my lovelies I will see you next time bye If you are ready to finally like yourself and free yourself from the expectations of others, I want to invite you to come work with me. I'll teach you exactly how to step into your power so that you can feel at home in your body and who you are as a person. Just head to the link in the show notes to start. I'll see you there.